The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Peanuts here, fresh from chasing a liberal off his front lawn with a stick. And <laughs> Happens pretty, more regularly than you'd think. <laughs> yeah, actually, let me just say this: I, 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 you get more fired up about like your personal like home, like property, like drones flying over your house, like more than anybody I know. <laughs> I love it. It is very true. There's there's some people in the neighborhood flying drones during COVID, and I was ready to shoot them out of the sky with a gun. <laughs> It makes me laugh. Yeah. I I kind I guess I guess I kind of said. Remember the time like I had like somebody pull into my like just recently I had somebody pull into my driveway like and do the like I'm gonna sit there and figure out where I'm going and I was sitting in my office looking at him be like why are they in my driveway get out of my driveway <laughs> we're just like who cares you know what I mean? but like it's just because it's our own house I don't know if I ever told the story on here but um so uh, London had a London Ontario had an initiative uh, reforest uh, London because we lost our like designation <laughs> as the forest city and so they're putting they're they're planting a bunch of trees on boulevards and uh, because there's not a boulevard in front of my house there's no sidewalk on my side of the street the, technically the city owns the first couple of feet onto my property and so they planted a tree at the front of my front yard um, and not only did this get me very angry because they did not put it where I thought they would put it um, but uh, the tree they put in there died and just never took root. I watered that thing. I took care of it. It's dead. It's sitting there dead. And I've talked to the city several times about taking it out. And, uh, and they threatened to find me if I took it out. I'm like, they planted a dead tree in my yard and have left it there now for a full year and have threatened to uh, find me if I take it out because I'm not supposed to tamper with city trees. And because it's on the first three feet of my property, uh, they, they own it technically. And this has been an epic battle <laughs> between me and the city. The city does, I, I'm sure they have my number on block right now. It's, it's... Two, two things I want to say about this. Actually, three things. First thing is like, one, just mentally picture Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. <laughs> that is totally about, what it looks about like. five and a half feet tall because it's brilliant it's got like three branches uh, maybe a cumulative like four leaves yeah like it's oh, it's, it's glorious it's sad and it looks like if you stand sideways it just disappears because it's got no girth <laughs> yes. it's just the greatest dead tree ever oh second thing i would want is like my... i've known you for a long time and we're, we're really good friends i've seen you angry <laughs> like legitimately like Ang- like ragey angry maybe three times in the entire time I've I've known you once was about a car problem after a baseball game another time I think was at baseball and then when you told me the story of them planting the tree <laughs> when we came over you were raging I loved it so uh, what we've learned is don't play baseball with me <laughs> and don't plant dead trees on my lawn well no it wasn't it wasn't you play it wasn't you playing baseball it was like I think something happened like they like 
it was against your brother and you were just defensive. I don't remember what the, like it was, it, you were legitly like right to be angry, but like, it was like one of those things where it's like, I like, it's rare for you to get angry. Right, you're not right, one right. of those people who are prone to anger. Um, <laughs> I can say that your wife might disagree, but I'm just like, <laughs> kidding. Um, and then, the, and then the other thing I want, want to say was just like, uh, like you even offered to replant a different tree, like yeah. a, like buy a tree. Like I will do it myself. You don't have to replace it. I will take it out at my expense, <laughs> yeah. my labor, my work, and I will replace it with the same kind of tree, right? Same same kind of tree, and I will pay for that tree. They said no. Yeah, that, well, and and it's and you're gonna get me going here, Chris. But <laughs> it's probably because there's some stupid government bureaucrat whose entire job consists of going out and inspecting these trees and like you know, hiring some planting company or landscaping company, go and do it. And the entire justification for his, you know, six, six figure government salary is dependent on his ability to, to determine this. And there's only a couple of houses who are getting these trees. And so he only inspects a couple a year. And so he doesn't want me to take his job away. I think like that is legitimately, I'm sure what it is. Well, it's the Canadian government. So they probably have to pay like a certain charity for them for like speaking <laughs> yeah, gigs for this tree company seriously. to come out and, and yeah. do this. Trudeau just needs to figure out how to get his claws on the exchange. <laughs> well, it's funny, it's funny how quickly this segued exactly into what we we're going to talk about today, which is basically government's authority in terms of like the lockdown and things like that with COVID. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us who, why don't you tell the people who we actually are? Oh yeah. Um, so uh, we're the Rebel Podcast. You've been listening to us banter for the last little while. Uh, I'm Poonate, Pnate, that's Pooty. And uh, the Rebel Podcast is uh, a podcast in the Reformed Rebel Network. Uh, there's lots of podcasts here. You're going to see a few extra ones popping up. The Great Exchange is our newest edition. So you're going to see them on our live feed sooner rather than later. Um, the Apprentice Theologians, which is a, a podcast for teenagers, uh, helping teenagers think biblically about the world around them and in their uh, unique stage of life. Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids is a podcast um, by a family, the Van Bremer family, for families. And so that's one you can listen to with your kids. And they go through church fathers and uh, creeds of the church. And uh, they were doing a uh, Pilgrim's Promise, not uh, um, which was just kind of about the formation of the Constitution and stuff like that on YouTube during the lockdown. Uh, Awakening Reformation podcast is uh, kind of goes through theology and applies uh, applied theology for for life. Uh, there's the Rebel podcast. There's the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. So there's lots of different podcasts and uh, blogs and all that kind of stuff. And we're just ramping back up after a long COVID hiatus. But if you want to get to know more. Go to reformedrebelnetwork.com or on Patreon or on Facebook, and uh, you can support the show on Patreon, or you can follow us on uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, all that good stuff. Beauty. Now, one of the things we used to do, I have to say this because it's been so long. Yeah, seriously. Um, one of the things we used to do was Rebel News, so I got some Rebel News for you. Oh, nice. And I want to hear, nice. hear your thoughts, and I think these tie nicely into what we want to talk about today. Okay. Um, but I first, I first want to get your thoughts on... Um, the situation that just happened in Lebanon, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was Tuesday. Um, you're, you're tipping your hand as to where we're, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when, when we're recording this. Yeah, but. sorry about that. It happened a few weeks ago <laughs> in, in Lebanon, in, yeah. the, in Beirut, with the massive explosion, um, which, confession, 
naturally when I first saw that, I thought terrorism. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard it, not to. It, it, but it, it turns out it wasn't. It turns out it was uh, like government oversight. Yeah. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on just in terms of one, what you think about that explosion, and two, just what you what you're thinking about in terms of uh, what this teaches us. Yeah. So truth truth be told, I don't know a whole lot about the uh, the whole thing. They had a bunch of fertilizer and some um, pretty volatile substances, as I understand it, at the port there, and uh, so the government had heard from several concerned citizens, con- several concerned workers. Uh, several uh, people who understand the volatility of these substances saying that they needed to to do their due diligence, get these things off and get them off responsibly. And uh, and after, I think, six years of, of having this stuff just sit there. Yeah, that's what um, I read, 2014. Yeah, there was a, a massive explosion. So, um, so all that, I, I'll say allegedly, because I don't know all the details, and maybe by the time we're releasing this, more information's out that makes uh, sort of this conversation obsolete. But no, Chris already kind of tipped his hand to this but we're uh, we're recording this episode uh, uh, a couple days after it happens um, but you're listening to it about a week and a half after it happens and uh, after it happened so uh, it, you know so all of my comments will be in what we know right now yeah um, I'll say a couple things I'll say number one the amount of um, footage of this thing has just been incredible and I think uh, like how much access we have to people just taking videos on their phones and stuff like that. I mean, we've seen this from a bunch of angles. I don't know if you saw any of the angles of like people recording it on their phones and then you just see, I don't know what happened to the person who was holding that phone. Maybe they died, maybe they didn't. I mean, somebody obviously grabbed their phone and, and uploaded it to, to YouTube afterwards. But I think as it stands right now, there's a couple hundred dead, um, like 4,000 injured, uh, tons of property and stuff like that. So it's very interesting to me that we live in a time where where suddenly we can put ourselves in the shoes of the people who are there. I mean, obviously, we're not experiencing it as they experienced it, but we're seeing what they see. We're, we're experiencing their fear and the panic as you hear people around. Um, and I think that that's, that's very interesting because I, as a Christian, that ought to motivate us to pray because you, you can kind of put yourself in the shoes of the people who are experiencing it there because you see it from the angle they saw. We're not just seeing bird's eye view cameras. We're not seeing news you know, outlets kind of polishing a story after the fact. We're seeing people on their digital devices taking you know, photographs and videos of it as it's happening. You're hearing the screams. You're hearing the just the explosion. It's it, so I, I think that that level of devastation, that's that level of like personal, um, that, that kind of personal seeing it from their vantage point should, should help us understand the devastation a little bit more. And, and perhaps the compassion side of Christians should kick in and we should be, be praying for them. I, I think certainly this is government negligence and, um, I'll use this as an opportunity, you know, certainly not to that level of devastation, um, but in our own government right now, we have uh, our finance minister and our, our prime minister are caught in yet another scandal where it seems like they've been taking bribes from a charity and and uh, not being, um, uh, uh, we'll just say being biased about where they're, where they're putting money in the budget and stuff like that. And so and I'll link those two things just by saying, you know, we need, we need to live in a time where we hold politicians accountable more for their actions, right? There cannot be the sort of um, non-consequences for the kind of negligence that leads to this much much devastation, this much death, 
or the amount of, of money and, and uh, kind of unfair treatment that, it, you know, uh, Bill Morneau and, and Justin Trudeau have um, have caused. So I think we, we as Christians need to um, be advocates for increased accountability to our politicians and for our politicians. Um, and, uh, and, and then the last thing I would say is just, um, this is, you know, um, God uses, uh, I think it's Isaiah 46 where God says, I create light, I create darkness, I create, I put to death and I, I create life. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm God over calamity and uh, I'm the God who does all these things. And so we know that God is sovereign in all this and in all this, he will be glorified. And so I think that ought to motivate us to pray and pray for the church, pray for the church in Lebanon. Um, you know, a country where it's been very difficult to be a Christian for a long, long time. And here's an opportunity for the church to be mobilized and to help people in physical in physical need, um, to help, you know, the, the hospitals that are overwhelmed right now and all that kind of stuff, and, and pray for gospel opportunities while they reach out to, to meet the physical needs of the people who are, are suffering and uh, without homes now and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I would say about it. Yeah, I would, I would echo everything you just said there. I think that's, um, first and foremost, pray for what's ha- what's happening there and, and pray that God uses us to regenerate. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, um, how often do we read stories of like hurricane Katrina, like nine 11, like all these devastating things that have happened in society that you can either one look and say, why does God allow this? But then we also hear the story of like the people who God use has used this event to bring to into his yeah. kingdom. And so let's pray for that for, like you said, for a country that, the gospel doesn't flourish like it does in other parts of the world, simply because it, it, it's it's very it's a very different society than than what we live in. And I think it's interesting for us to just be praying for the church there that they can yeah. have um, a witness and 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 uh, um, God will use this to regenerate people's hearts. I think I think it's also very interesting um, to think about like there are a few times in our in our lives, and I think this will become more frequent with social media, where we actually witness mm-hmm. something happen. Now, not live, but like we're Pretty seeing close. it as it happened. And so yeah. like, I was thinking this the other day, like, like Hurricane Katrina, I was thinking about, we didn't really witness it live. We witnessed the devastation after the fact. But 9-11 was the first time I remember seeing something like, or the Challenger is actually the first time, but I mean like 9-11 was the first time I remember watching it as it happened, so to speak. And then then yesterday or whatever this uh, um, was, I can't remember. was a half ago. I literally honestly don't remember what day it was. Um, But like when, when this happened, we actually saw the video and that actually impacts in a, just a different way than, than, uh, than just seeing the, like reading about it, like almost because I think we're in our society, we're almost desensitized to, disaster if that oh, makes sense sure. yeah. particularly when it's not in north america um, because it's very detached from us but i what i one of the things that i think is a is a great thing about this not great that it happened but one of the things that it is caught on camera so it makes it much more real for us um and then so that like the reason i'm saying that is because the feeling that you had when you watched that video of like that is terrible that is awful should lead us into action in our own backyards yeah Pray for people, the people in Lebanon. Yeah. Do what you can for them from here, but it should also spur us on to be good stewards here. If that can happen there, because their government is in control, that doesn't mean that it can't. That kind of thing can't happen here, because our government isn't watching everything that we do. Because 
let's let's be honest, we've so long we've put everything onto the government and asked them to take care of everything. And I think what we're seeing over in, in Lebanon with the, the government negligence there isn't, isn't an isolated incident globally where the government just has honestly too much on their plate. Yeah. You made the joke about like you have a tree planted on your yard <laughs> and there's probably one bureaucrat who this is their only only job. Yeah. Well, the truth is that that, the, that probably isn't his only role. Right. It's He's probably got 50 different hats because we've put so much junk on our, on our like, I, I wouldn't even say put so much because that implies that like it's our fault. The government has taken over so many things that's, that aren't yeah, that's their, that their, that that isn't their mandate that like these kind of things can happen. Like, to be honest, like why is the government in, con- in control of that particular port in the first place? You know what I mean? Why, why is that not a business of a, a, pr- a private business that does this? I don't, I don't know the details. I don't want to speak of it. I just, right. we need to start thinking about the ways that we allow people to be negligent in our 100%. society um, so that we can prevent these kind of things from happening moving forward. Um, so speaking of uh, <laughs> big, weird transition there, but I love it. Um, speaking of like somebody who's going against the government now. Yeah. Yeah, actually. So this, this Johnny, we're we're talking about Johnny MacArthur, um, Johnny, Johnny Mac, um, who I think I think I've we've probably publicly been a little bit hard on on this <laughs> on this podcast in the past, just simply because of like obviously differences with eschatology and and things like that. But Johnny Mac has probably been the leading figure in this movement of. Uh, basically rejecting government's authority in certain spheres um, in the country. So I want to get your thoughts yeah, on what, you, what Johnny Mac's doing in California. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on terms of what you think about that. And basically what you think about Johnny Mac today, the hero. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, truthfully, we're going to be, um, we're going to talk about uh, COVID and the shutdowns and all that kind of stuff this episode. And so this is uh, relevant news to segue us into that conversation. Um, I actually think the title of Doug Wilson's um, blog on this subject was a perfect one. No, no surprise there. He's, uh, he's good with his words. Um, but Doug Wilson wrote a blog post called Our Galvanizing Grandfather. And I think it's very interesting. So you just, you just alluded to the fact that we disagree with John MacArthur on a lot of things. Um, I think he has been a superb Bible teacher for a, a long time. He's been preaching expository sermons from Grace Community Church in California for decades, and he ought to be honored and commended for that. Where we often disagree with him is not his Calvinism, we love him for that, not his complementarianism, we love him for that, not for his commitment to the gospel, we love him for all those things. Um, Often it's for his eschatology, uh, which is dispensational. He's described himself as a as a leaky dispensational, which I think is funny. Which means he's had some hard things or some some unkind things to say about um, uh, post millennials, theonomists uh, in particular. Uh, we disagreed with some of his stuff uh, when it came to strange fire, um, but but basically the main point of contention that we often have with him is that because he's dispensational. Um, it leads him to not get into the cultural engagement very often. And, and we've, we've criticized him for some of his quotes about like Christians ought not to be engaged in the culture wars, right? God's not interested in winning this culture. Um, God's interested in, in salvation and, and uh, new heavens and a new earth and our place in heaven and all that kind of stuff that we often, we, we, we teach against that mentality a lot on the Rebel Podcast. And, but what's interesting is that he's, he's acting 
like a much better post-millennialist now than a lot of our post-millennial friends, right? I mean, he uh, he's suddenly come out and, and sounds like a theonomist in his teaching on sphere sovereignty, for example, um, which I love. I think it's, it's fa- fantastic. So we're going to get into some of this in the episode. So you asked, what do I think about John MacArthur? I think he's got a backbone of, of solid steel. I think he's doing a great job. He's been threatened with thousand dollar a day fines. He's been threatened with imprisonment. Um, he was threatened that they were going to cut the the electricity off to their service when they open back up. Um, I, I I don't think this is done. In fact, by the time you you listen to this recording, we might be behind on some of the information because I'll be very interested to see what happens this coming Sunday, which will be last Sunday by the time you're hearing this. But um, you know, John MacArthur is being bold and courageous where many others aren't. And so, first of all, if you're listening to this and you have been critical of the fact that he's opening, the first thing I want you to recognize is how hard it must have been for him to pastor in California for so many decades, right? If you want to talk about a cesspool, if you want to talk about a place of government overreach, of just like unchecked liberalism, um, California, you don't have to look much further than California. It's sort of almost like the the apex of, uh, of sort of the liberal the radical left movement. You could call it Sodom. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, and that's where he's been ministering. And so so they, you know, last year they passed a bill about uh, outlawing conversion therapy, outlawing pastors giving counsel to um, homosexuals that would advise them against um, their lifestyle. And so he's been in the belly of the beast for a long time in that regard. And, and so anybody who's criticizing his, like he's being too hasty in, in defying the government, I would just say, you know, Get your head checked because you have no idea what it's like pastoring in uh, in, South, in uh, Southern California. Um, another thing I want to say is, you know, I, I, I've seen John MacArthur preach many times at uh, Gospel Coalition conferences and Together for the Gospel conferences. I've seen him preach alongside the Al Mollers and the Ligon Duncans and, uh, and the Mark Devers and, uh, and the Tim Kellers and the Matt Chandlers and... He made a statement the other day saying that none of his friends are standing with him. I, you know, I'm I'm disappointed in the response that he's gotten from sort of Big Eva, right? Like, I think um, a lot of those guys that I just named, and again, and we'll get into this with the lockdowns. Perhaps we talked about it a little bit last week. I, I think that people ought to um, give their pastors and their elders boards the benefit of the doubt as they're making tough decisions. Um, but that also means that pastors ought not to uh, go be so quick to criticize. And, uh, and I think that um, some of those pastors I named have been advocating for their church to join in on Black Lives Matter rallies while not opening up their churches. And uh, so if you're willing to defy government orders um, for a, an ungodly movement like Black Lives Matter, but not to open church, you have to wonder where your priorities are. So I think John MacArthur ought to be applauded and prayed for and supported. And um, and if he starts getting fined a thousand bucks a day, let's get a GoFundMe or several GoFundMe's going and help Grace Community Church weather the storm. Yeah, amen. I, I, I'm always reminded of that quote, which I always butcher every time. It's that Doug Wilson quote where it's like, 
Um, the time calls for courageous men and then the, uh, and faithful men. And then the other men come. Yeah. So he says, desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Yeah, and yeah. so that was the quote I was thinking of. I said it completely different, um, which is funny because I think I've quoted it like 30 times, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but never once right. Um, but like, I, I find it interesting that that comment when he made, like you, you mentioned it where he's like, none of my friends are standing with me. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm reminded of like, how, how often is that the case? Like I want, I, I think when we look back in time, this is what will solidify Johnny Mac is like, you know. Perfect in his theology? No. Perfect in his application? No. Who is? And then, but like, and, um, but we look back and we, and we solidify the guys that we're going to look at, look at down the road be like, they, they ran the race. Yeah. And they They were faithful. They were faithful. And, and people will write biographies, lauding them for their courage. Yeah. When I would like, you've mentioned some of the names I would add other people who I really respect. I think they're great Bible teachers where I think in this time they've been in error almost in a, in a sinful way in some cases, um, in terms of just the way they're handling this. When I look at Johnny Mac, where it's like, I bet you William Wilberforce felt the same way that Johnny Mac does today. Yeah. I bet, um, you know, Martin Luther felt very much the same way that Johnny Mac feels today, where he's like, I'm, I'm stepping out, but nobody's with me yeah. to back it up. And it takes time for, and so like, I, I would, I would love to see more of the, of the, like, not the, the mega pastor, but more of the pastors who would consider themselves compliment, like complementary and Calvinistic to, to start coming out in support of what Johnny Mac's doing and then follow suit. Yeah. Um, and I think like, it's easy for them to target Johnny Mac in California when the Rick Warrens and the other, I, he's the only other California pastor I can think of, but yeah. like, um, we're, Jonathan we're, Lehman's in California. Okay. There yeah. is. So, but like where no other church is doing that we're, that we're aware of. I'm sure there are others, yeah, but, I'm sure there's faithful um, churches, but, but it's very easy to target the leader when there's not like 50 churches doing this across the country. Well, and that's the thing. And that's, that's the point of Doug Wilson's uh, Our Galvanizing Grandfather blog post, and I would encourage you to read it on uh, DougWills.com. But that, and that is the point, is, is now is a time. So you can either, like for all, any of our listeners in California, uh, you know, and certainly any pastors and elders in California and other churches, I would, I would urge you if you are listening, now is the time to stand up and stand beside him and link arms with him and make it much, much more difficult for the authorities in California to uh, to penalize him, um, because they're going to have to make it, it's it's not, it's 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 punishing one disobedient church if they come down on Grace Community Church, but it's going to look very very different if it's fifty churches, right? And uh, and this is one thing I'll just say this: this is one thing that the Muslim community gets much better than the Christians. They they get they galvanize around um, persecution. And, uh, and, and they, they, they solidify and they support one another in a way that, that churches often don't, um, at least in, in Canada and in what, what I've seen in our communities. Um, and so I would just, I would, I would urge you if you are a pastor or an elder in California, um, make it official, put out a public statement, link your arms with, with John MacArthur and with Grace Community Church and, and make sure the authorities know if you take them down, you got to take us down too. Yeah. You got to go, we got to go with it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think this is an interesting, 
interesting point that you made about the the uh, like Muslim faith. Yeah. Um, because they get they get the post millennial like we're all in this together. Yeah. And we're going to win. Yeah. Mentality better than I think. Christians, Most Christians like, do, well, yeah. Because well, like, I find it funny that like Johnny MacArthur, who would disagree with all of that, um, <laughs> is standing firm. And the people who are backing him are the Je- Jeff Durbins, the yeah. um, Doug Wilsons, the Toby Sumters. Yeah, the, totally. the, the, the post-millennial churches are the ones that are, are trying to stand with him. Yeah. And all of his brothers and sisters who would perf- like profess to believe the exact same thing as him as him have disappeared to, yeah. from his side. And I, th- I think it's one of those things where it's like I, I, the term galvanizing is something I think we need to start, need to start doing. And I would, I would love to see us have that mentality where it's like, if, if you do, um, actually it's a biblical principle. Why? I don't know why we're talking around it. Like the, the Bible tells us when one of our brothers in our churches yeah, suffers, right. we're all to suffer. And when he's happy, we should all be happy. Yeah. That doesn't just limit to our own individual church. Of the church yeah. When when we when we can celebrate the success of of Jeff Durbin's church in Arizona, because it's the kingdom we're all working toward. So like it's one of those things where Johnny Mac is standing out alone. We should all be willing to stand up stand up with him, which turns really great into you and uh, in terms in terms of this topic because we want to talk about the lockdown. Yeah. And we want, I, so I want to kind of get your thoughts um, from a pastoral perspective, just in terms of what what role do you think the government actually has in terms of <laughs> shutting us down? Um, what what we what would cause us to shut down again? Why we did shut down? All the yeah. all those things, all the general lockdownness. Um, yeah. So why don't you just start hitting those off at us, and, and we can discuss what we think about the lockdown. So. Um, I'm sure that there are some people because we, we, we've been on hiatus for a while. So there's some people who are probably thinking, oh man, we're going to talk about lockdowns. Like we're so over that. So I apologize if you're, you're listening to this, but I, I do think it's worth us uh, kind of talking, but we're talking about how, the, what, what happened in the world while we were away. <laughs> and, and the biggest thing was the world got shut down. Um, and, uh, for Texas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say that, um, the government. You asked the question: What, what um, does the uh, government have? What sort of gov- uh, Sorry, I'm I'm losing my words here. What what sort of um, authority does, authority the, does yeah. the church have or the government have to shut us down? Okay, well, I think to to give a very quick primer, uh, the the concept of sphere sovereignty uh, is a concept that was um, from Abraham Kuyper from. Um, R.J. Rushdoony, two guys that I think you should go and read on the topic of sphere sovereignty. Uh, since then, you know, Gary North, Gary DeMar, uh, Doug Wilson have talked about it quite a bit. But the idea of sphere sovereignty, um, just as a, as a very quick, um, quick thing, is the idea that um, God is sovereign over all things. He owns all things. The world is his, you know, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? And, uh, and so he delegates his authority, right? You remember in Genesis 127, uh, where he says to Adam that he is to have dominion over uh, the, the fish and the, the birds and the, the beasts and the, the world. And, uh, and so God delegates his authority in various ways. And he, he delegates his authority for specific tasks to different people. So he gives um, the task of self-government that you are to um, not murder and not covet. And, you know, all, all of the things that are you are to honor your parents, you are all of those things. 
uh, you are to have no other gods before you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so there's self-government is the is the kind of first from God delegates to each one of us the uh, responsibility to govern themselves based on the law of God. Um, he also delegates uh, to the family a particular sphere. And so to the family, he gives the responsibility for education, for example. This is one of the reasons we are advocates of homeschooling, because that is a responsibility that was not given to the state. It was given to the individual families. And uh, there are other responsibilities within the family, and uh, God delegates particular um, right discipline, child rearing, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's also church authority to to the church. He gives the authority to uh, over um, sacrament and word, uh, the proclamation of the word, the defense of the gospel, the worship service. Um, right, all of those things are delegated to the church, and there is the sphere of civil government as well. And to the civil government, he gives the responsibility over um, public safety, over the uh, the. Um, responsibility to punish evildoers, to, to, to punish those who break the law. Uh, Romans 13, right? It says that the government does not bear the sword in vain, right? It's there to punish the evildoer. And so um, to each into each of these spheres, God delegates certain levels of his authority. This is why actually in Genesis 12, or before that, God says to us as individuals, don't take vengeance yourself, leave it to the wrath of God. Well, how do we leave vengeance when we are wronged, when somebody does us wrong, steals from us, attacks us, whatever? How do we leave vengeance to the Lord? Um, well, his delegated authority of his vengeance is the civil government, because right after the end of Romans 12 comes the beginning of Romans 13, when it talks about being subject to the governing authorities who bear the sword to punish evil. So, um, so all of these various things, and so this is one of the reasons why we are not fans of public health care. This is one of the reasons we are not fans of public education. These are, this is one of the reasons we are not fans of, of the current welfare system, because the government is not an instrument of God's mercy. The government is an instrument of God's wrath, which means the church is the instrument of God's mercy, meaning that it is to us to care for the poor. To, to distribute to the needy, to care for the orphans and the widows, right? This is real religion, James says in, 127, in James 1.27. So, so to each sphere, God gives a particular set of instructions in a certain jurisdiction. So all that said, public safety, right, which is what we were locked down for, um, there does fall under the realm of the civil government. So do they have the authority to shut down the church for the, the purpose of public safety. Well, now you're talking about an area where there's an overlap, okay? So just to make things simple, like for example, what happens when there's child abuse in the home, okay? Well, that's an area of, of jurisdictional overlap, right? Because um, abusing your child, right? Sexually, physically, you know, is, is a matter of law. Parents ought not to, I mean, the, the, the Bible advocates for spanking, but we're talking about physical abuse. Um, the, the Bible uh, would have a whole lot to say about parents who are not loving their children and who are, who are abusing their children. And that, uh, that there, are, there are Old Testament laws that, that actually prohibit the, that kind of activity. And so that falls under the jurisdiction of the state to punish the parent who is not um, rightly administering their justice within the home. But... 
you know, raising a child falls under the jurisdiction of a parent. So when there's that overlap, what would we say? Well, we would say that the government would step in and through an impartial court, they would look at the, the evidence and, and the, the state would have the opportunity to take a child away from an abusive household. We all believe in that. Yeah, we'd only say amen yeah. to that, right? Now, now I mean, we, we live in a culture now where they're talking about child abuse as being not affirming their trans choice and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about. That there's and But that's, that's where now you have the government stepping beyond their bounds, right? So same thing just happened with the lockdowns. There's a there's a legitimate um, responsibility that falls to the government to um, uh, to maintain public health, right? From from any sort of threat, right? Foreign or domestic, as they say, um, and and so the, this time the threat was a virus. Now. Um, Early on, I think that the government was within its purview to uh, to uh, to ask that the churches shut down. And wise pastors and wise churches, I think, given the information we had early on, should have listened to the government and shut down. And most churches did. Um, because now, <clears throat> I had a little bit of difficulty um, with that as we talked through it with elders depending on who you're listening to. If we were listening to Justin Trudeau, who's our prime minister, federal leadership, um, he his language was much stronger. Our, our local leader in Ontario, uh, Doug Ford, he talked, he used the language of suggestions and pleas, and he was asking for shutdowns and measures early on. And I appreciated that because I think that this is in, in an area of overlap, the two parties with delegated authority ought to come and, and understand where that overlap is. So, all that to say, we got to the so I think you know the government telling us stay home, stay safe, flatten the curve, all that kind of stuff. Sure, I, I think happy happy to abide by it. But and this is where you now you have to start saying at what point has that government um, uh, been irresponsible, right with their with their mandate. And as more information came out about the deadliness of this virus, about who is susceptible to this virus, about how the virus was translated, all that kind of stuff, um, I, I think that the shutdowns um, very quickly became uh, un, uh, known to be an unnecessary evil. And so every church, every faithful church ought to, the, the elders of that church ought to have been having conversations saying, where is our line? When, when are we ready to go back? In our church, we made the decision to first fight legally to help the government see why they don't no longer have that jurisdiction. And that battle was successful. Had that battle not been successful fighting them legally, we, we decided to kind of fight in their arena, right? Give them home court advantage and we'll go and fight in their arena. Um, and and had that not been successful, though, then our, we would have been where Johnny Mac was. We would have been meeting um, and uh, against government orders and kind of had the come at me bro <laughs> mentality. <laughs> Um, that was the church sign. Yeah, that was the church like, sign for us, a bit. Bro. Come at us, bro. Um, so, so that's sort of a quick primer on why we got ourselves into this lockdown area. Now, now for those of you who listen, who who subscribe to the same sort of theonomic convictions that we do, you might say, well, the Bible has some things to say about how the government should have handled this. Yes and amen. Le Leviticus 13 talks about how the government ought to have handled this shutdown. They should have tested Ample people, much more testing than there was done. They should have quarantined the sick, not the healthy. They should have protected the vulnerable. 
I, I think there personally, and, and there might be some pushback on this. I actually think that there's a bit of a, a case to be made even for, for um, masks, because um, one of the things it says is those who are infected with a, with a contagious virus um, ought to cover their faces, right? And so um, now that is the sick. Now, with, with something like this, in context, it's talking about leprosy. It's much more easy to see somebody who's sick visually. So the idea here is, a, is some sort of visual marker of who is sick. But I think you could maybe talk about that in terms of mandating some form of masks in shared public spaces. Um, but again, I think the government would be overreaching to, to make people do that in their own private businesses. But every individual private business has has the right to to do this sort of thing. So all that to say... Yes, and amen, the government should have reacted differently. When they didn't, then individual citizens had the opportunity to um, practice civil disobedience um, if they believe that the government has overreached. Um, but in the realm of public safety, this is a place where the, where the Bible gives um, jurisdiction and authority to the government to do these sorts of things. Now, the, as, as they always say, the devil is in the details. Um, wh- like, how long should a church have been shut down? Um, you know, should the church, uh, I know of several churches who opened up, but didn't sing because the public health officials, um, suggested no singing, um, didn't practice the Lord's supper, all that kind of stuff. Um, and our church right now is in the process, uh, with our elders of figuring out how to re-implement the Lord's table because we've been meeting for a few weeks without it, which is very strange for us. We practice it every week and, uh, and that's been a difficult, difficult, I think it's, I've struggled with that. Um, but telling us not to observe the Lord's table, telling us not to sing, I think that that would be overstepping their bounds. Now they're trying to dictate what our worship service looks like and the the jurisdiction over the worship and sacrament has been given to the church and not to the civil government. So all of this is to say, if you don't have an understanding of biblical authority, biblical justice, God's law, then you are not equipped to make these kinds of decisions and wrestle through these kinds of things. And this is why you've seen so many pastors just arbitrarily shut their church down. I think J.D. Greer recently said that they're not even going to look at opening their church until uh, 2021. And uh, and we have several churches in our area who are doing the same sort of thing. Now, um, I know that I know of at least one church in our in our area that you know they've had seven congregation members die from COVID, and I think our church might react a little differently if we we're in that sort of situation. And so I don't want to pass judgment on people whose situation I don't know, but I would say that if you if your elders board is not wrestling with where is the line, how far can the government go, when do we disobey the government, if you just have a sort of Romans 13, carte blanche, we're going to listen until they say so, you you do not understand biblical authority. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really important to point out because one of the things I'm hearing you say, so correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, is that um, the only way to properly adjudicate this, this situation is to one, first understand your Bible and understand what it's saying and then be wrestling with it at, at like a church, local church environment. And what's right for church A isn't necessarily right for church B. Um, in terms of like, like for instance, if our church is predominantly now younger families. Yep. So we're a lot less at risk, so to speak, than church B, which is in a nursing home. You know what I mean? Right. Like we wouldn't be saying they're in sin to stay closed because their safety is actually at, at, uh, like the government, their, the government mandate of being shut down still actually really applies to actually protecting them and their safety. We're at our church. We can follow a lot of the guidelines that 
will like generally keep us safe, but like in terms of them overstepping and, and telling us to shut down, well, if Walmart can be open, right. then we can be open because there's the same level of safety yeah. in our building as there is as is there. And I like the point that you you brought up about the fact that like there they they do have some authority because one of the things like I even wrestled with, but I I've heard some people say is that they have zero authority to to tell us to shut down. And I and I thought it was interesting that it's like God gives the government authority. So where do their authority where does the authority I, I like the point that you pointed out that like in terms of overlap, then it's important for us to have the discussions yeah. and try to and try to come to the what what is the right but there are certain things they have no authority over. Absolutely. Which is AK what it looks like in our what church. it looks like, yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting. In some of the conversations I was on I was on in several meetings with uh, uh Dr. Reverend Joe Boot, who's a friend of the podcast, um, with a few politicians and it was interesting as we chatted um with politicians and essentially saying to politicians, and you can imagine, think of how ungodly your average politician is and we had and i should i should uh, mention that some of the politicians we talked to are were are god-fearing christians some that we talked to are are complete atheists um and and everywhere in between but um you know saying to them um you know the, and 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 we made we made several statements about uh where we think the government ought to do now this is hearkening back to 100 years ago um polit- you know pastors had the ear of politicians Politicians would look to pastors to make decisions and policy and legislation because the past the the church had not abdicated its role to speak the word of God into the public square. The church has abdicated that role. We've we've completely lost our ability to to speak the word of God into the public square. And I think that that is to our detriment because at, at a time like this, they needed to hear that God's word, Leviticus 13, has a lot to say about how you should have handled this. Now, it's not right for pastors or or or, uh, or uh, individual uh, to, to take, just like we're saying that they ought to stay out of our sphere, we ought to stay out of theirs. Out of a business like, yeah, we 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 are called we are called to um, pray for our leaders and to you know speak with our, our votes so to speak and and there is a time there is a line right where we defy tyrants absolutely and amen and John Mack is doing that and we've been done nothing but praised him um, during this episode but w- what we cannot do is not say they're making a decision I wouldn't and therefore I'm going to do this. Now again, they they don't have jurisdiction. If 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 they are mandating something within your sphere, you are called to rebel. But if they are not, if they are not, then we also don't walk into their sphere, and and that's where you know the the church has a unique role of to speak the word of God prophetically into the 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 culture and into the public square. And because we've abandoned that for uh, decades. We ought not to be surprised that they're not listening to us now, right? And so our our job ought to be like, if, if you want to know how can you be faithful here, look, your Facebook posts, as great as they are and as true as they are about telling the government that they're overreaching, you know, good for you. Keep doing that. Maybe there's some people in your sphere who need to see those things. But you know, you know what's even more um, helpful? You know what's going to actually turn the tide a little bit more? Stop abdicating your role to speak God's word into the public sphere. Speak it at work. Speak it in your neighborhood. Speak it in your home. Right. That's how we slowly get it back. Yeah. Meet your MP. Like. Meet your MP. Yeah. If you if you did not contact local government during this whole thing, then why are you posting anything on Facebook? 
Like, right, honestly, like if, 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 if people are sitting there and, and posting all this stuff to the echo chamber on their own social media, but they didn't, they didn't contact local. And you might say, oh, you don't know my local politician. Yeah, I know my local politician. She does not like me. We've had some very <laughs> heated conversations. Shout out to Kate Young. If she's you're not listening. a fan. Yeah, she is not there a is fan. There is no way in the world she's but listening. But you know what? <laughs> to, but to her credit, she has never denied a meeting with me. And we've had several of them and we never see eye to eye. And I've, you know, we've offended each other many times, but we're, I, you know, I, I work hard to be very courteous and to her credit, she's always been courteous and kind to me as well. Um, at least to my face. <laughs> and so, so I just say that to say like, you know, it, let me just say it this way and I'm going to offend a bunch of people, but Hey, we're here. We're, we're back. We got to make up for some time. We haven't been offending you. Christians, you cannot sit on your computer and moan about all of the liberals who are virtue signaling if you're doing the same thing. If you are posting all of these political things about how, you know, what the government is doing wrong and you have not tried to get involved by contacting local government representatives, then you're virtue signaling as well. And you need to stop it. Yeah, I, amen. I, I think that I think that's exactly the point not necessarily of what like James is saying in James four, when he's saying faith without like work, faith without works is dead. Yeah. Like we can in, in, in this scenario, if I, if all I'm doing is whining and all I'm doing is complaining, challenging, fighting, but I'm not actually trying to do anything to change it by having the conversations, by talking it out with my coworkers, by having the conversation with friends and family and, and people I know about why I don't think they have a right to like tell us to shut down or what we, uh, or whatever it is, yeah. then I'm basically practicing faith without like, like a dead faith because I'm, I'm not living out what I say I believe. Yeah. Even if I'm just posting on, on Facebook and we're huge fans of posting on Facebook. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. We, we say this all the time, but it's one of those things where it's like, I know that when you post something on Facebook, you're willing to have that exact same conversation with somebody in person. Right. And oftentimes the way the Facebook wars end is you being like, why don't we get together for beer in real, in real life? Yeah. And you meet with the person or I yep. meet with the person or whatever. And so I think that's very important. And so like to put that in back into the church, cause everything always goes back into the church specifically is that before you publicly criticize your elders and your, and your pastors, you need to you need to be meeting with your pastor. Yeah, you need to totally. be meeting with your elders, writing them letters, telling them what you think, and arguing at your point of why you think we sh we shouldn't be locked down or should be locked down. Yeah. And then, unless you are one of those elders or the pastor, you then submit to their authority. Unless they're going to like, unless they're leading you into something that is simply sinful. Yeah. You're 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 a member of that church to submit to their authority. It's, it's like, it's the exact, I know it, it sucks to think about the fact that you have to submit to somebody else's authority, even if you might disagree, but like an example, I'm going to wear a mask to church this Sunday, even though everything in my being wants to tell like everybody who tells me to wear a mask to like shove it. But it's only because simply I I'm a sinner and I don't want people to tell me what to do. Right. But I have given them authority in my life to tell them in, in my life and in the church to say that they have the right to tell me that, you know what right. I mean? Like they can, they can advise me to do that and I'm going to listen because at the end of the day, the other, at the end of the day, it's not a hill worth dying on. Right. 
And and maybe we'll do a future episode on on that. We talked about that a little bit last time in terms of of how to strategically pick your battles and and not not do so with the motivation of sin on either direction, cowardice or aggression. Um, one thing I, I just want to say, I know we're going long, so I'll make this very, very quick. I, we spent most of our time today, all of our time today, talking about the church because this was my lockdown. Like, welcome to P-Nate's world during lockdown. Like, these are the conversations I was having. This is what we were teaching our church. We were gearing our church up for, um, for when the government crossed that line. We felt as though they did. And we were ready to open back up. And uh, I, I think at the 11th hour, God answered our prayers and, uh, and the, the legal battle won. But um, that aside, I just I, I want to talk very, very, very quickly and just give some very quick overview in terms of the lockdowns, because there are a lot of people who this was not your experience during the lockdown. Your, your experience during the lockdown was you weren't able to go to work. You weren't able to go out. Uh, your kids weren't able to play with the neighborhood kids, all that kind of stuff. I just want to say as of so our family very early on decided that we were not going to adhere to social distancing mandates by the government again. The, the raising of my children falls primarily to me, okay? If there is a, um, if there is a you know, uh, a, a, a poison in the water mains or something like that, right? And the government came in and told me not to drink the water in my home and, and all that kind of stuff, I would be an idiot to, to give that water to my kids, right? Like there is a, a level of authority that we give them for, for um, public safety, but what we started to see, and, and the first couple of weeks, we we tried to adhere as best we could. Um, we 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 let you know Chris and Heather, um, and uh, you know Uncle Chris and Aunt Heather, and and Nana and Papa and Grandpa and Grandma into our, our circle early because we're not going to deny family you know access to our, they, their nieces, nephews, grandkids, all that kind of stuff. But um, we very early began to see the effects that the lockdown was having on our kids in terms of socialization, in terms of, um, anxiety, in terms of fear. And so we recognized, Hey, there's an overlap here in this authority. And I did a lot of research on, on this virus. And very early on, it was very clear that it was not affecting kids in, in, and, and really not affecting people, my wife and I's age. And so we very early had a conversation with grandma and grandpa and Nana and, and some of the older people in our lives and said, we're, we're not going to adhere to social distancing rules. We're not just going to see anybody. We're not going to be foolish about this, but we're going to expand our circle and, and we're not, we're, we're going to let our whole church family in. And so we saw lots of other families. We let our kids play with other kids who were comfortable with it. And we did that because, again, the primary responsibility for the raising of our children, and we recognize our children are at our very um, key formative year, uh, time in their life. So we decided that we weren't going to adhere to social distancing rules for that reason. So I say that to say, you know, if you just arbitrarily said, oh, I'm not listening because there's a rebellious spirit in you, there's a bit of a problem. But understanding that I think the government messed this up <laughs> um, and understanding that their authority only goes so far allows you as a, a Christian, I think it's uh, Galatians 5, 1, where it says, for freedom, Christ has set you free, right? You've been purchased. You are free in Christ. And uh, that means you're free to operate within the authority he's delegated to you. Parents, you have that authority to, to make those decisions for your kids, to not live in fear, et cetera, et cetera. So I just wanted to say that because I know we talked a lot about the church, but that might have not been everybody's experience. And so I just wanted to say that as, as one other practical way that we responded to the shutdowns that we thought were, um, were an overreach by the government. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think it's also just to 
important to point out. Like, I, I don't know if it's evident that we, at the beginning when the information was much more, it seemed much more serious than it ended up being. I'm not saying it's not serious. I'm not yeah. minimizing. It's serious for but, a certain demographic. But at the beginning, it seemed like it was Ebola. Um, yeah. And so like when, when the government was saying shut down to flatten the curve, we happily did did yeah. that. We canceled the men's event. Um, we canceled a couple other things and we canceled stuff to adhere. And it only became a thing where we started to be like, mm, are we, are, should we still be doing this? Once the evidence started to say that like, this was not specifically just about, about the virus. And I don't want to get into all the, yeah. what are the other reasons they would want to shut down? I'm sure was, that'll come out. I mean, we're, we're right in the middle of this thing. Like exactly. we have doctors telling us we're going to be locked down for another year or two. So it, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more, <laughs> but this is our primer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so like, it's one of those things where like, we we went about trying to get reopened in a, in a way that was we thought the right way to right way to go. We didn't just jump right into civil dis- disobedience. We tried to do the biblical mandate, even though the the politicians aren't members of our church. We tried to talk to them and tried yep. to talk to them with more people, and we tried to talk their language. Yep. Um, and then, Lord, uh, like praise praise the Lord at the eleventh hour, he. He did relinquish. Yeah. They, they they did relinquish it, on that. So I I just want to point out like we're not telling anybody to not go into civil disobedience <laughs> or to go into civil di- disobedience we're, we're saying like basically understand use wisdom w- yes use wisdom and understand where they're crossing the line yeah. in your in your sphere and then stand with like i think we said about johnny mac when when somebody is correctly defying doing, defying stand with them yeah amen yeah that's a good summary all right um so that's uh that's what we wanted to chat about today um it's good to be back we could talk for a lot longer but uh we're not going to we're, we're um, rusty we're, yeah we're rusty <laughs> we'll, we'll uh we'll see you back again next week we're gonna have one more episode where we're just kind of talking through all the things that we missed while we were on hiatus and then we're launching into a new series that we're uh, excited about so we'll see you next time for one more catch-up episode